There are plenty of negative factors out there that justify a stock sell-off, but investors keep buying. So get ready for my list of potential equity rally spoilers. But just remember as well that as long as investors keep believing, well, we could be in for a wild ride on the roller coaster of denial. So welcome to the new week with Swissco's Daily Market Talk. So last week ended on a positive note for equities, despite plenty of reasons that could push equities lower, including hotter than expected inflation figures in Europe, for example, and hotter than expected jobs data from the US that fueled the hawkish central bank and rate hike expectations on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean, while both the European and American stock markets closed the week with gains. As such, the SOX 600, for example, is again eyeing fresh year highs, while the S&P 500 is above its 50-day moving average level, having avoided a slide below the much-watched 200-day moving average last week. Same with NASDAQ 100 index. The index tested the waters below its own 200-day moving average level, but investors decided that it was not yet time for NASDAQ to sink below this 200-day moving average level. Now, many pointed at the treating U.S. yields on Friday to justify the rebound that we saw in equity valuations. And indeed, both short and longer maturity yields retreated on Friday in the U.S., but the two-year yield retreated after having advanced to the highest level since 2007, while stocks have been gaining while this rise in the U.S. yields was happening. So this retreat that we saw on the U.S. yields is not really the major reason why stock investors continue buying stocks last Friday or last week. Now, the better-than-expected ISM services data from the U.S. could be one possible reason, one possible explanation that helped actually investors ignore the hawkish signals from the Federal Reserve, for example. Another reason could be that investors simply don't believe at all that the Federal Reserve could become more hawkish from here, that all the hawkish cards are already in play for the Fed, but that's obviously a dangerous bet as in a report to Congress, while well, the Federal Reserve reiterated its determination to bring the US inflation down to the 2% policy target. Larry Summers said that the Federal Reserve could actually leave the door open for a 50 basis point hike when it meets later this month, while the former Treasury Secretary of the US said that the Fed President Jerome Powell should actually address the waning credibility issue for the Fed. And indeed, hiking by 50 basis points this month could rapidly put the church back in the middle of the village, as says an expression here in Switzerland. Now, the week starts with less enthusiastic news as China announced a modest GDP growth target of 5% this weekend. That's a target that actually raises concerns about the amount of fresh stimulus that the Chinese will actually be 
putting on the table and well the possible continuation of the government crackdown on some Chinese sectors because the Chinese officials actually said that they don't want a disorderly growth in their real estate sector and the real estate in China is a major and a magic ingredient for the Chinese growth plus the local governments could actually be borrowing and spending less money even though the Chinese as a whole country increase their fiscal deficit projections higher so this whole thing means more centralization of the power around Xi Jinping less freedom to do whatever for the others Xi Jinping's fight against big dreams and well the US limiting their investment and their technology exports towards China altogether well, all these factors could obviously prevent money from flowing into the Chinese equities but still some are still optimistic UBS for example thinks that China's reopening will benefit European consumer stocks as it has been the case for the luxury stocks remember because these European stocks have the second highest exposure to China compared to other regions across the world with 8% of sales generated from the Chinese market and they actually recommend a portfolio with 60% allocation in consumer discretionary with some 15% exposure to car makers alone and 40% allocation to consumer staples relative to MSCI Europe. Now this being said the modest 5% growth target from China is not great news for energy traders at all as it could actually solve the resistance for example in the US crude at around the 100 day moving average which is now around or a touch below the $80 per barrel level after last Friday's failed attempt to clear the resistance at this level now again the Chinese reopening hasn't been much of interest for oil bulls since uh, the end of last year when China announced the end of the zero COVID measures but the Chinese demand is still expected to hit a record high this year around 16 million barrels of demand per Per day and well the global supply is obviously nowhere near or willing to match the surge in the Chinese demand for energy and the big banks still point at the $100 per barrel level for the barrel of crude sometime later this year and well energy's big names will be meeting this week at the Sarawi conference and we will see if anything interesting or anything market moving comes out of this meeting this week now other than the Sarawi conference on this week's agenda, we have the Fed President, Mr. Powell, delivering his my annual testimony to the U.S. Senate. So that's going to be an important moment. We know that. Now, Jerome Powell will certainly reiterate that the Federal Reserve is not yet done with his fight against inflation in the U.S., that the U.S. labor market remains particularly strong, that a soft landing for the U.S. economy is still possible, yet the Fed won't hesitate to sacrifice growth to abate inflation in the U.S. and that as soon as possible. And while well, looking at the latest set of data, the U-turn of easing inflation in the U.S. and the last month's blowout jobs figures from the U.S., well, we don't really expect to hear anything less than relatively hawkish from Mr. Powell this week. But it's always possible that a word like disinflation, for example, or something like we won't actively be selling the Fed assets in the context of the QT slips out of Mr. Powell's mouth and, well, you get a boost instead of sell-off in the stock market. So again, there are plentiful of data and plentiful of factors out there that point at lower equity valuations for the US and European stocks, but investors 
keep buying and volatility levels are now quite down to be honest with you hinting that investors are not necessarily alarmed or concerned by the latest set of data and what the fed could actually do about the latest set of data like boosting their rate hike policy to tame inflation now, this week, uh, we know that the latest jobs data will fall in, in the U.S., and the U.S. economy is expected to have added around 200,000 jobs last month, with the possibility of a negative surprise, a disappointment after last month's about or above half a million uh, NFP read. Now, unemployment in the U.S. is seen steady around 3.4% level. That's a more than 50-year low for the U.S., while average earnings are seen going up from 4.4 to 47 7% over the year. And well, obviously, there is nothing encouraging for the Fed those here, but we will see what the equity traders do about it. Now, besides Powell's testimony and the US jobs report this week, the White House is also expected to release a proposed budget on the 9th of March. And it is said that depending on the funding levels, we could actually see some movement in the US defense stock. So that's something that you may want to watch. Elsewhere, the Reserve Bank of Australia, the Bank of Canada and the Bank of Japan will be all announcing their latest policy verdicts throughout this week. And among the central banks, only the Reserve Bank of Australia is expected to hike its interest rates by another 25 basis points. And that, despite last week's surprise softening in the latest inflation figures and the soft growth number that we saw. Now, also keep in mind that more than 40% of the companies in the ASX 200 posted negative earnings surprise last quarter. And this number is up from 28% posted a year ago. So the letter numbers from the macroeconomic and microeconomic fronts actually raise questions about how far the Reserve Bank of Australia could actually go in terms of rate hikes because the recession odds are clearly there and rising. Now on the currency front, since the end of February, the Aussie dollar is now into the bearish consolidation zone. But if you look closer, well, the pair has actually been following its 100-day moving average line slightly to the upside as the Chinese reopening story actually somehow sustains the iron ore prices except for today of course as China's 5% growth target hasn't been fireworks for uh, energy and commodity prices as it has been a little bit of a modest uh, target. Now, China could still rescue the Aussie from falling further against the US dollar and other currencies, but the Chinese wins could hardly reverse the negative trend in the Australian dollar against US dollar, for example, as the Fed support of US dollar is certainly not done its positive push just yet. So this is all for this Monday. I'm Ipek Özkardeşkaya, and thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode of Market Talk has been helpful and it has been insightful to you so please do not hesitate to leave your comments your reactions and your questions below as usual and follow us on instagram on twitter and on linkedin for regular market updates and subscribe of course to our youtube channel for daily market comments i will meet you again tomorrow and until then Good day trading.